everyone. Welcome to Lessons with Mike. Today I'm here with Johnny. Howdy, everybody. And I'm very happy Johnny's here. I've been trying for years to get him on this program. Honestly, before the program even existed, I was trying to get him on the program. And he's finally here to share his thoughts with the world. Yes, I am. I have my thoughts ready for sharing. He's wrote down all three of them. So what's the first one? <laughs> I didn't actually write them down. I was just I was just hoping I would remember. But uh... that's OK. So I was actually hoping we could talk about your life as as a musician, as an artist. And at one point, I know you were living in a parking lot. Yes. Yes, I was. So, yeah, we can start with that. How did that go? <laughs> Well, okay, so that goes pretty far back. Um, obviously, like when we were, me and Mike were in school together, uh, I was a bike racer, like pedal bikes. And I was doing that for a long time, um, ended up getting really badly hurt, and I had to quit. And that was like kind of my whole life. So I had to kind of think, what, what is it I should do? with my life. And I ended up getting into stand-up comedy. I don't, I don't know if you, uh, you knew that. I have seen some of your stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was doing stand-up for a while. Um, and actually what ended up getting me into music is obviously like getting on stage, at least for me was really, really nerve wracking. And when it was time to get on stage, like I wanted nothing more than to just, leave it was so it was so nerve-wracking to get up in front of people and try to tell jokes so I added somewhat of like a poetic element to it and there was like kind of a like a rhythm involved <clears throat> so when I started doing stand-up with like like I would literally do like funny poems almost and it actually like people people liked them quite a bit yeah, and when I, had, how I met you yeah yeah and when I had a rhythm involved, all that nervousness would go away. And I thought, oh, there's, there must be something to this. Um, and I was like, I, I literally decided on stage while I was doing a, a stand-up performance, like, I am going to pursue music. Like, it just, it just made sense to me at the time. Uh, and that was in North Carolina. So... Shortly after that, I decided to drop out of school and just go fully into that. I um, had a little bit of money at that point. I, I bought an RV for $8,000. It was a 1996 Ford Econoline. It was, it was pretty big, but it was um, uh, not very reliable. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, if it broke down, like I was immediately homeless. So it was stressful to live in, but I took, I took that from Chicago where I bought it uh, back down to North Carolina and started living in that and just practicing with the music. It was mostly like beats. I was doing a little bit of like lyrical stuff, but I knew that like, <laughs> I didn't really think I had what it took to be a rapper. Like I wasn't legit enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would just uh, make beats and I started selling just firstly practicing like the whole reason I got the RV was to have a space uh, to practice and a place I didn't have to pay any real living expenses. 
So, cause I didn't know how long it would take to start making money. So I just lived in a dark box and practiced all the time. Hmm. So the parking lot thing, like the Walmart, I, I would live in Walmart parking lots and stuff like that. I would go to a Walmart, stay until they kicked me out. And then I'd move, move to, to the next Walmart <laughs> and then come back. And is yeah, like that, uh, is it like that thing, get a punch card where you stay at five Walmarts, you get a free smoothie? I wish. No, they were not very happy that I was doing that. But at the same time, they couldn't, like, shoot me. Yeah, the what one... are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, like, I had one guy come up to me, which I, I don't think this was true at all. I think he was just some weird dude. But he came up to me in the parking lot. He's like, hey, I'm the asset manager for Walmart, which I don't think that's a thing. Um, okay. He's like, you, you can't be here for, you know – X amount of time. I don't remember like what my maximum stay was. I was like, uh, okay. So what do you, any, I don't, I don't think he was legit at all. I was like, all right, what do you recommend I do? And he's like, I don't care, but you got to get out of here. And there was a Lowe's right next to the Walmart. I think, you know, the Walmart I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, so I just like, literally they basically shared a parking lot and I just moved from in front of the Walmart in front of the Lowe's for like a day, which technically fit into their, uh, I don't know, rest like restrictions regarding how long you could stay. Yeah, I left for a day. Walmart are two separate businesses. So you were doing the right thing. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And then I stayed, I stayed at Lowe's for a day and just came back and just did that, which <laughs> I never saw that guy again, but uh, I found a loophole. Yeah, see, that's what you got to do when you're living off the uh, on the grind like this. You got to find ways to make things last because, unfortunately, the way society and urban planning and development is, there are not a lot of places you can just go and exist. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, you have to buy something. You want to park here? You got to come buy something. You want to use my toilet? Oh, you better buy something. And I think that's a big flaw in society that there aren't, that there aren't very many open spaces where you can just exist. <laughs> oh, yeah, and like... You can rough it, do the parking lot thing, yeah. and save quite a bit of money, but it's honestly a pretty uncomfortable existence. Like, there's no electricity, so whatever temperature it is outside, it's just amplified in there. Um, like, I had a stove, and I would just eat ramen. I got, and this, this caused quite a few stomach problems, because I literally, my whole diet was coffee and ramen. And man, it destroyed my stomach. Oh yeah, that does not sound healthy at all. It was not. <laughs> did you go into the Walmart to buy the ramen? I did. I did. That was one. That was one silver lining, as I could literally walk like a hundred feet and be within ramen distance, which was, which was pretty helpful. But yeah, uh, I could. I, I don't know if I could have afforded it, but like people that want to do the RV life thing, if you go to like an RV park and plug it up, you could actually live pretty comfortably, but it's so expensive. It's like, you might as well be renting an apartment. Yeah. And I, imagine, I imagine there were plenty of times that uh, people were like messing with you or trying to, did you have anything like that? People like wandering around the parking lot, trying to mess with you. Were you concerned at all? Yes. I didn't, I don't think I had anybody mess with me because I had a very rapey looking RV. Like, it's, and also, like, 
the D from it used to be famous. It was called Tom Raper's RV, and oh, it was wow. on the side. Yeah, it literally said Raper on the side of the RV, and it it looked like a very rapey vehicle. Well, that that's so, one way to deter people from bothering you. Yeah. Um. So I don't think people were inclined to mess with me. I also had a machete, which, like, I I don't think. I mean, if someone came in, maybe I would use it, but man, that would be messy. So yeah, I imagine the cleanup time on the RV is a little little extensive. Oh yeah, I mean, there's really not a messier way to defend your place. <laughs> but um, I don't I don't think I really had anybody mess with me. Obviously, it's it's a Walmart parking lot, so there were. I would definitely hear some some crackhead activities uh, go on around me many nights. Um, honestly, the most annoying thing is, at least at that Walmart, they played music in the parking lot. The at least they did when I was there, twenty four seven. So that that was my main concern. Honestly, were you able to sleep with the music, or was that difficult? Um, it was difficult at first. You got used to it? Yeah, I got, I got relatively used to it, I'd say. But yeah, they still play uh, that music in the parking lot. I remember um, my most exciting Walmart parking lot story is I had left the store and there were these two gentlemen dressed up very nicely in suits. And one Ooh. of them tapped you on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, my cousin was just shot and killed. I just left his funeral. And I reacted surprised. I was like, oh, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Continued walking. He's like, no, sir, you don't understand. I sang at his funeral. That's great. Good for you. I continued walking. It's like, no, no, sorry. Listen, listen. I recorded it and I'm trying to sell this mixtape of me singing at his funeral. And I was like, oh, I don't really want it. And he's like, no, no, for you, I'm giving it to you for free. I just want you to take it to get the word out. So he handed me the CD. I took it. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. I start walking away. He grabs you on the shoulder. Wait, wait. We like to accept donations in exchange for these. It's like, no. <laughs> Apparently, like, that's. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I don't want to cut you off. Like, but, but no, like, here, take your CD back. I don't even want it. No. So I think that's a really big thing they do in New York as well. It's like a scam. They'll hand you a mixtape and say it's free. And then as soon as you grab it, they'll like either do the donation thing or, or demand payment. I don't remember. I don't know how they phrase it. But that's uh that's becoming a more and more common kind of scam, which is, I mean, make your money, dude. I guess. I mean, it seems like a lot of effort. Like, there's one, there's just another version of this where a character, where a person dresses up like a superhero, and then offers mm -hmm. free pictures and then demands money afterwards. I've seen that one in New York. But a lot of these scams, I mean, yeah, you get your money but you're taking advantage of people who don't really know any better. You know what I mean? Like certain, they target certain people that are more vulnerable. Yeah. New York is weird. I, at least from what I hear about it, I don't necessarily, I'm not too experienced with New York. I did have the luxury of taking an RV through, not my RV. Um, I was in an RV that was going through, I don't remember where we were, like right through the city and it was a horrendously stressful experience. A lot of traffic. Oh yeah, because you're taking you're taking a house through 
New York where everybody's angry and is not a, they don't use their horn sparingly. So it was weird. And they also, they don't uh, curse sparingly either. They were mad. Where did you even, was it difficult finding a parking space for your RV up there? I don't think we parked it in the city. I don't think that would have been possible. Yeah, I don't think they even have places where you can do that. There's this park, actually, that they have, uh, just unused land that they have in the middle of the city. That would be a great parking lot, but some people are like, no, save the park or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, we, we need progress, man. We got to turn that stupid park into apartment <laughs> complex. Who needs a national forest when you can have a parking lot? <laughs> yeah, man, we got to use this. We got to use this space. A bunch of hippies in New York. <laughs> what do we need trees for? Am I right? <laughs> so, are you still in the parking lot situation, or have you uh, have you moved away from that? God, no, dude. I no. Good, There's good. no. So I, I moved. I moved from the RV to a. It was a Honda Odyssey. It was a 2004 Honda Odyssey. I bought for like I think it was fifteen hundred dollars. Nice. Like at this time. I, I had money that I had saved, but I wasn't making any money. So life in general was just very precarious. And obviously music it, itself, pro- production-wise or or be actually being an artist, it's such a saturated industry. Mm-hmm. And there are so many snakes in that industry. It is, it is quite difficult mm-hmm. to make money if you are just trying to create. Unless you're really good. Or you get in front of, I'd say it's more important to get in front of the right people, which I was trying to do, but I did not end up doing. Well, hey, you're still young, plenty of time, but you're exactly right. It doesn't matter how talented you are unless you get the connections. And that's why oftentimes you see people who are not very talented that are making these successful records and putting them out there and have contracts and deals. The reason is because they have the connections. And that's very difficult. Oftentimes in the entertainment industry, you'll have people that will prey on people who are just trying to make it big, who are really dedicated, and then they get taken advantage of. It's very unfortunate, and uh, I don't know of a better way to to do this. Uh, maybe if there's, maybe everyone should just audition for a talent contest, and then I don't know. Maybe that's how we can decide who gets contracts. Hmm, a better way to do. I mean. The main issue I'd say with the music industry is the fact that like the I don't I don't know that it's an issue like this is just kind of how it goes. The record labels still wield all the power. They're the ones who have the money to make big moves. They can make famous whoever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to them, it's it's business, which makes sense. I don't necessarily have a gripe with that, yeah. but uh, I think now record labels are relying a lot on maybe not shock value but like uh things that things that like are controversial so if they put a rapper in front of a ton of people and they they suck people be like man this sucks and then it gets popular because it's being pushed so hard and it sucks so people get angry about it but it's still like engaged with online it's still good business because you have numbers coming in and uh streams streams i guess happening oh yeah that's exactly right the outrage machine because you could hate a product it could be the worst thing ever you get people talking about it they're going to go listen to it you're going to share it with your friends 
hey Johnny, look how look how terrible this song is. I have to share it with you because I know you'll hate it just as much as me. But then that's two more streams that the song gets, and then we share. It's unfortunate because there's no such thing as a successful mediocre person. You either have to be really sucky or really good. Like if you're just okay, no one's going to talk about you unless you stir up some kind of controversy to get that attention. Especially now, which mm-hmm. is, ah, oh man, I, I think that, I, I don't know what that's necessarily a product, product of. I mean, you could say it's social media, but I think it's kind of always been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, at least to an extent, I think social media has exacerbated it. But yeah, and that's kind of what a lot of the music industry hinges on now. And TikTok. I mean, TikTok really does. Uh, bolster the music industry a lot especially now mm-hmm. yeah there are several songs that i've really liked that i would have never heard of if it wasn't for seeing them on a social media seeing a tiktok with that song uh there was um a rock song i can't think of the name but i saw it in a tiktok i was like oh i really like this and i went and checked out the band listened to a bunch more of their songs and and these are things i never would have found out on my own because you know I don't check the billboard charts every week for new music. So I, I wouldn't have known about that, you know? Oh yeah. And there, there are some that like, there's songs I don't necessarily like, but if you're on social media at all, you just hear them so much that uh, now they're stuck in my head. Like what's it? There's one that I was just stuck in my head. Um, oh my gosh. It's like the, um, Oh, how does it go? Are you gonna do a live performance for us? It's like the it's like the Makeba one, like Oh yeah, I know, know that one, yeah. I have no like idea. My body dance for ya. Like I, <laughs> it's it's catchy. Yeah, I've heard that. It's but not no, something I would ever listen to, but I see it on TikTok all the time. Yeah, and now it's just like constantly playing in the background of my mind. You can't and, escape it. Yeah, you can't escape it. Which Ah, man. Like, I don't know that that's... Even as, as an artist, I would not prefer a song to necessarily get big that way because you're just going to get so much hate. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I presume, woman who uh, made that song, uh, I, w- I would imagine she gets a lot of hate. And it's not, a, it's not a bad song, but a lot of people hate it, and it's kind of shoved down your throat if you... Uh, are on social media to any capacity. Like if you look at the comments, like people be like, oh, I'm so sick of this audio. This song sucks. It's, it's not actually that bad of a song. Like it's it's catchy, but you, you just want to be cool for not liking something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so so what is your uh so after you got the Honda Civic, then what or not the Civic, the uh the Infinity Odyssey. Odyssey. I was close. I would have got there eventually. Yeah, you're close. So then what happened? Okay, so I was using that as a form of transport. Like the RV was like the mothership and the Odyssey was like the little like X-Wing that would kind of come off of it. Yeah, the little uh, little uh, moon rover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I used that to get around because it got more than one mile per gallon, unlike the RV, and um, was honestly somewhat reliable, but it was less precarious to drive that around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
I would take that. I, I got a job at a studio. I started interning at a studio, unpaid, mind you. Um, and I would take the the Odyssey there and just make beats all the time, work with artists. Uh, I actually got a lot of experience. I was a recording engineer and I would make instrumentals and just work with it. It was almost all rappers, pretty much all rappers. Uh, and at a certain point I sold the RV cause I, I, I didn't need the money. Like it wasn't necessarily hurting, but I wasn't making any. And it, it was definitely like my, my funds were dwindling. So I sold the RV to a, a guy actually, uh, got pretty involved with later he like got me a job with a nuclear program which was really really interesting like oh, that's a, very he, exciting it, yeah it was it was really cool but um yeah so i was working at this studio with the honda odyssey and i started living in the honda and i would go from the studio to south carolina rest stop which is where i would sleep and a lot of people do that but it's that's even less comfortable than the RV. Like yeah, no I, space. I mean, uh, yeah. especially if you're a tall person or you, that's, that seems very cramped. It was very cramped. I mean, the main issue is like the car, like I was filled with my belongings. So that's I couldn't like, yeah. yeah. So I had to sleep at like a somewhat of an angle, which nor I've been used to sleeping flat my whole life. So well, um, I learned I, a new skill, how to sleep at a 90 degree angle. <laughs> Yeah, and I would wake up with people looking at me sometimes, which because like I'm like I'm literally in a, in a at a rest stop um, with like a blanket on and stuff like that. I mean, they weren't like staring into my window, but they'd look at me as I woke up, and it was it was weird, man. Dude, you're uh, watching you while you were sleeping. Yeah, but the doors were locked, and I'm no, also a very light you. sleeper. So if someone tried to sneak in, maybe they I thought would, you were dead. They they were just looking out for you. I think maybe that was what that was, but almost certainly not. Also, there were a lot of palmetto bugs at that, so cockroaches at um. Those are those are gross, dude. They're terrible. There's so many at that rest stop, and I hate hate the cockroaches. So that was relatively short lived. Um, let's see. After I sold the RV. I, yeah, so I sold the RV, living in, in the rest stop. I ended up not wanting to continue with the internship because, like, dude, I needed to, I needed to make money. Yeah. So I, I just couldn't keep doing that. It, it was a great experience. I got to work with a lot of artists. But also, like, this was a period of my life where struggle really pushed me into kind of a more spiritual aspect of life. And I started to really kind of bolster my faith. So I, I got like, I started reading the Bible and getting a lot more serious about it. Um, and around that time I was trying to kind of amend who I was. And one of the main issues with working at that studio is, and I don't mean this to talk poorly about anybody, but I was trying to live in a more and more righteous way. And a lot of the people I was getting involved with just weren't really doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and that that made it really difficult. So I ended up stopping uh, work with the uh, with the studio. Mm-hmm. But I I think I, I don't know how sustainable that would have been anyway. To be honest right, with you, because yeah, you can't do that forever. Eventually, you have to do something that produces some income. <laughs> exactly. But no, that that's good. Like you have to figure out what your own goals are and what type of life you want to live. And if you surround yourself with people who don't match those goals, and you know, no no judgment or anything, but you have to put yourself in an area where you're with people who have the same goals for life as you do when it comes to how you want to live and what your lifestyle is. The same principle can be applied as an example, if you're a recovering alcoholic, you don't need to be hanging around at bars or at restaurants with alcohol or with friends at a party and you it's just not good for you and your goals to be around those people so there's nothing wrong with that i think it's actually good to identify what your goals are and what type of life you want to live and then find people who match those goals and lifestyles and lifestyle decisions and then hang around with those people to strengthen your goals and desires for what type of life you want to live you're 100 percent right I, I know it's cliche, but they're like, I think it's cliche for a reason. They say like, you're the average of the five people you hang around most. The older I, I get, the more and more true that seems to be. Mm-hmm. It's very I, true. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll always fall into the habits of the people you hang around. And if you're trying to be successful, like the people you hang around is, is one of the biggest either hindrances or advantages you can have whether it's you want to be monetarily successful creatively successful just generally i don't know happy which is how a lot of people define success which is good um yeah it's definitely uh important who you hang around because whether you whether you mean to or not you pick on aspects and you take on aspects of the people that you spend the most time with certain phrases, certain characteristics, certain patterns, you pick this up. That's Your brain is hardwired to pick these things up. So even if you try not to, even if you're not intending to, for example, if, if you're undercover, so this has happened a lot. There's a movie starring Daniel Radcliffe called Imperium, where he goes undercover in a neo-Nazi organization. But he gets so, it's such a good movie. It, he, what's very strange about his career path is after Harry Potter, he does one very bizarre movie every year that is completely just strange. But they're all, all the ones I've seen have been really good. They're just so out of left field and so bizarre. But in this one, uh, he becomes undercover for a neo-Nazi group. And it messes with his mind because he's surrounded with the, in that environment for months trying to bust them on something. And it's a very good film. I'd encourage anyone to watch it for sure. So does he, well, you, no, nah, I'm not going to have you spoil it. Yeah, um, spoilers, come on, man. <laughs> okay, does he, ten, does he at any point like start to sympathize with them or? He does, does yes, because yeah. that's, his big conflict was this. Oh, these people are great. I like hanging out with these people up until they start talking about all the Nazi stuff. That part's, he, he never gets on board with the Nazi stuff, but for him, the big conflict is he likes hanging out with these people. They seem to be good family people. And then reconciling that with the Nazi aspect was what was difficult for his character in the movie. Yeah, I, th- I think familiarity is un- like overlooked as, as in terms of how people feel about whatever group they're around. Like, like Stockholm Syndrome, I, I believe that's what it's called. 
I think the people that you're around, even if they are terrible, you do connect yourself to them emotionally, mm-hmm. regardless yep. of the situation. I mean, not in every circumstance, but I think you begin to care more and more about people, regardless of their character, um, the more you hang around them. Because I, I think every human has redeeming aspects, but every human um, and I would say the more you hang out with somebody, the more you see those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, obviously Stockholm Syndrome exists. I mean, that's just a hunch, but I imagine that's what it is. I think there's some truth to that because there have been cases where children have been kidnapped and they've been kidnapped for 20 years. Wow. And they have children with the person that, who kidnaps them against their will, obviously, but they stay and they stay. And I was reading a book about one of these people. Why did you stay so long with him? And her response was, basically, it had been so long that I could not imagine life without him. Even though he did all these terrible things to me, he was the constant in my life. I at the very least knew that he would get me some food. I at the very least knew that, you know, even on bad days, I'd get food. And it was, it's scary it was scary for her to finally leave that environment, but she was fortunately finally able to do it and get counseling and, and get hopefully some resolution in her life about that. But it happens a lot, this Stockholm syndrome where you develop oh, yeah. an, an affection or not necessarily an affection, but a friendship with your, with your kidnapper. It's not real. That's part of their manipulation tactics. They, they're nice to you because they don't want you to leave. They don't actually care about you. Uh, by the sheer coincidence, if anyone is listening that is currently being kidnapped, they don't like you. It's it's a trick. Get out of there. <laughs> but also, if anybody's listening that doesn't have the best of luck with relationships. Uh, that too, yeah. <laughs> you can potentially kidnap if you feel so inclined. Like, it's an option. I'm not necessarily supporting it. I'm just saying you could. Wait, who are we kidnapping? Oh, I mean... We, we could talk about it off the podcast. I, I have some ideas. But okay, I'll edit it out. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> I don't want them to know it's coming. I don't want them to hear this and be like, I don't want them to be ready. Like, We, we got to leave them in suspense. We'll get them when they least expect it. That's what. Yeah, everyone listening to this is at risk of being kidnapped. <laughs> Johnny and I will come to your house and force you to listen to all 100 plus episodes of my podcast. And then we'll let you go. Is there a like feature? Because I'm not familiar with the like um, Spotify for podcasters. Because we gotta make we gotta make sure they like or, oh, yeah. or do whatever to. You gotta follow. You gotta leave the five star rating and leave a really good review. Use lots of big words. And then maybe after that, we'll let you go. What What do we do if they don't do that? Uh, then we just gotta keep them there indefinitely. Unfortunately, keep them where? Uh, we will rent out an RV. And keep them in the Walmart parking lot. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I think RVs are pretty easy to leave, so we'd have to make sure they didn't leave. No, no, no. Because of the Stockholm syndrome, they'll develop for us. They will not leave. So we'll have to be pretty, pretty charming very quickly because this is going to have to be a very sh- condensed time scale. I think we'll have no problem with this. Uh, our first, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll give it a shot. Who knows? But. So what is your life looking like now? You said you're working at a nuclear uh, facility of some sort. Oh, no, I, I did that. That was, it was a brief thing. We just, uh, I was working on installing. It was like a self-expanding seals. I believe is the water carried from 
the reactor, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but that was like a just a short, short job. I don't think I'd want to work in a nuclear power plant. It is, it's it's an it's an odd environment. I would be terrified of getting radiation poisoning and then having all of my skin fall off. That would just uh, deter me from going anywhere near one of those. <laughs> You're very. It's very likely that that happens because you have like a. Um, it's not a Geiger counter. Gosh, I should. I had to take a bunch of tests to get in there, and now I cannot remember a dose, a dose, dosimeter or dosimeter. Um, it's like a little rectangle you wear that picks up how much dosage you take in, and it's very a small amounts of radiation. Even if you're getting right next to the core, it's it's pretty small amounts of radiation. Oh, okay, well that's good. I'll have to. I'll have to. Uh, I have. I've been cured of this fear. One thing though that is weird, like to go in they had armed guards like with machine guns bring us in and they had like sniper towers and everything. It was really locked down, which I do not know why you would ever need to protect a nuclear power plant. I would imagine it's because someone might, you know, want to steal the nuclear material. No, I don't, I don't really think much, much could go wrong if that were to, that were to happen. Actually, Russians in particular, like Russian hackers are basically the biggest threat to, from what I learned, um, nuclear power plants. Like they, their cybersecurity is insane because of how big of a threat like a, a hacker would be if they could get in to the systems and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that would be really devastating. But uh, fortunately that hasn't happened yet. And the law of probability states if something has not happened yet, it is unlikely to happen at all. Is that is that true? No, I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's let's just say this theory holds up, and yeah, good. That's a good one. <laughs> well, you did you did ask what I'm doing now? Yes. What are you doing now? Right now, I am a door to door salesman, and I am getting as much income as possible to just invest into real estate. Cause when I was really, really poor, I, I just, I hated that so much that I determined that I want to do the exact opposite of that. So now I'm just trying to make as much money as possible. What are you selling door to door? Is it uh, are you selling like real estate licenses or? Uh... Actually that, that's not a bad idea. I just gave him an idea folks. Lessons with Mike, uh, the most idea generating program known to man. Yeah, that, that could actually work. Um, I'm doing pest control. It's not, it's not glamorous, but I, I think sales is really important for young people oh, yeah. that want to get into business. You learn um, a whole lot for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, like persuasion, just co general communication, confidence, stuff like that. Door-to-door uh, -door really helps with that. That's why I took this job, but I just really want to invest in real estate. That's kind of what I'm, I'm shooting for now. Um, I'll get my license here soon. I don't think I'm going to be like a realtor. That's, I mean, I might sell some houses, but that's not going to be my thing. I'm more so just trying to build a portfolio and um, do that kind of boring adult money stuff now. Yeah. Being an adult. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought it'd be a lot more fun. I thought there'd be a lot more, you know, unicorns and, you know, I don't know. I thought quicksand would be a much bigger issue for sure. But <laughs> yeah, I have not run into much quicksand, which is, yeah. is bewildering. I was so ready for it. 
we were trained for years and then I, I guess we got to be patient when, when we least expect that it, it'll come our trials will come our quicksand trials <laughs> all right audience thank you so much for listening johnny thank you for being here i've really enjoyed this absolutely uh i would love to have you on again at a later date and i think the audience will as well i think there's a lot of benefit from these conversations that will be disseminated into the general public for all to hear. Well, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you having me, man. Um, again, like, especially now we could do this a lot more often. If, if your audience would like to have me back on, uh, all right, we'll do an audience vote. Audience. If you like Johnny, uh, please send an eggplant emoji in the reviews. Yeah. I can't, I can't see what they're saying. So it's totally anonymous. You guys can say, if you hate me, um, it's, that is totally oh, no, okay. I, I will tell Johnny if you hate him. I will absolutely tell him. <laughs> Those will be the kidnapping victims. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye.